Welcome to Breaking the Cycle of Poverty featuring Jay Height, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. My name is Tim Swearens, and I'm your host for these conversations that explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States. On this episode, we're discussing the health and well-being of children and families in our community and state. The Annie E. Casey Foundation recently released its annual Kids Count Data Book, which analyzes factors such as education, health, economic opportunity and security, and family and community assets to gauge the well-being of children in each state. This year, Indiana ranked 24th in the nation for our children's quality of life. Jay, let's talk about the well-being of children in our city and specifically on the Near East Side. If you had to give an overall grade or a score on how well or perhaps how poorly our children are doing, what would it be and why? Well, let's start first with the fact that the statistics in the state of Indiana and in certain areas, including this neighborhood, for infant mortality is is abysmal. Yes. Uh, some would say it's at third world level, and uh, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. But at the end of the day, we have a lot of babies dying in utero. Um, we know that of those who die in the first year of life, 63% of them will die in the first 27 days of life. So it's going to come because of addictions issues. It's going to become because of bad sleep. It's going to come, and, and we could continue on some kind of congenital issue. Um, moving kids from sick care to health care is essential, and it starts while they're still in their mother's womb, and as they're developing, making sure that mother gets prenatal vitamins, simple little things like that, and then helping sure, uh, helping make sure that those kids are getting their vaccinations, they're getting the things that they need, even through their early stages of development. My wife and I went through a, uh, a an attempted uh, adoption process that unfortunately fell apart, but uh, birth mom uh, was addicted and had lots of challenges. Uh, she wanted to love her child. She just was too broken. And and so she uh, had asked us, and as we went through that process that ends up later falling apart, uh, we explored what was it going to take. And, she, yeah. and it was going to take a lot more help. It was going to take a lot more nurturing. And so a lot of these things start early on. And, and so... We, we have to change it. It's, it's so many times, I said this uh, the other day to someone, poverty in Indianapolis is not the lack of resource, it's the lack of access. Mm-hmm. We have a great Children's Hospital, Riley Children's Hospital, Peyton Manning Children's Hospital. We're blessed to have two great hospitals in our city. But do we always have access to that? For many in poverty, how do they get there? and they see the hospital as an ER. They don't understand this concept and, 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 and know how to access into that. So it doesn't surprise me um, we can do better. We can rail against the system, or we can say, how do we make a difference? Yeah. Another area where Indiana is struggling is affordable child care. Uh, the Casey Foundation researchers found that infant care in Indiana is more expensive on average than the cost of tuition at a public university. Uh, a few years ago, Shepherd uh, opened the, the Minnie Hartman Child Care Center. What results has Shepherd seen with that initiative? Of our fourth graders for this past school year, 
uh, not fourth graders, four-year-olds, <laughs> a big difference. Uh, we take a state test and test them for kindergarten readiness, and 10 of our 16 kids pass that. Uh, we don't say you have to stay or, or be with us in multiple years, uh, but we know that the kids who passed had been in our program since the beginning. Yeah. And we know that the more we can invest in them earlier in, in an early learning uh, center like Minnie Hartman, that it's not just simply childcare, but we're really teaching and having a curriculum and helping those kids be ready to thrive. We know uh, research out of Rutgers says that early learning is the greatest way to bring equity to education. And so we want to help them get a good start, and, and we're excited. We're not done with saying 10 out of the 16 were, were ready. Um, we're going to make sure that uh, we continue to push that number up and as the kids come. You know, you mentioned the cost, and the payment is pretty much determined by vouchers, which is determined by the state and, yes. and all of those things. The younger the child, the fewer child to adult ratios you can have. So it's, I think at an infant, it's going to be about one to four. That becomes a very expensive model to do, but we're still committed to that. Um, yes, we do get some vouchers folks pay, um, and, and we want to help provide a quality educational platform to start their lives at, at Benny Hartman. We've made another commitment with that when we opened that, uh, and, and we did this all across the board. We want to pay a living wage. And so uh, your first year, you're at 35000 and we provide health, vision, dental. We pay 70%. They pay 30 uh, And then at your one-year anniversary, we, we pay 37.7, which is what Brookings has determined as a living wage in Indianapolis. So we're committed to that. Uh, if they're part-time, it's $18 an hour. Uh, my math teachers in high school were surprised that I could do that math, but uh, I looked it up before I came. Um, we, we, we want to make sure that we're helping our own folks who are serving with us. And the vast majority of our staff at Benny Hartman are moms who came through our programs and that we're helping them. And we're making sure that they have the good training, they have the right certifications, the state certification of the CDA, and then helping them get their associates and ultimately bachelors. So, so what are the, some of the common consequences for a child who, who grows up in poverty? And at the same time, what are some of the measures that, that Shepherd is taking? We don't have time for all of them, but what are some of the measures that Shepherd is taking to, to help kids overcome those obstacles? Well, um, the former superintendent of IPS, Dr. Faraby, he used to say to me, Jay, the best thing you can do is help a kid start kindergarten knowing their name. I said, what do you mean, Dr. Faraby? And he said, they've been called a nickname all their life. Yes. They don't know what their name is, and they show up at school, and we call them by their name. Helping prep them for learning in a classroom. Uh, prep them. And so that's where Minnie Hartman is really a central part of building that foundation that will be the foundation that allows them to move forward and grow in in their uh, future. Yeah, Our listeners can't see it, but out in the parking lot today, there's a line of cars picking up food. That's another thing that the Shepherd is doing, is helping feed kids this summer. Um, hunger is an unfortunate reality, and so uh, 
families are able to every other week go through and they're picking their kids up from summer camp and then they can get the load of food as well. Uh, and it's healthy food. I'm really appreciative of the partnership with Gleaners to make sure we're doing that. We also send kids home with food packs for the weekend. We do that during the school year as well as in the summer so that they have snacks, granola bars, peanut butter crackers, those types of things. I always want to make sure there's Pop-Tarts in there because I'm convinced <laughs> Pop-Tarts are healthy. If you think of the food pyramid, Tim, there's if it's cherry Pop-Tarts, that's fruit. The grain, the crust is grain. The frosting is dairy. It's almost like the whole food pyramid in that little silver, silver package. And maybe that's why I'm on diabetes medicine uh, now, but uh, too many Pop-Tarts in my life. But we want to give kids good food, food that they have access to. When they're here, we're wanting to make sure that our chef is preparing. He does a great job of preparing healthy food, whether it's at Minnie Hartman here in our summer camp. They're getting breakfast and lunch here, afternoon snack, take the food packs home for the weekend. During the school year, they also get dinner uh, for those kids who stay in after school. Yes. And just to reassure our listeners, Jay is not the chef. He is not fixing Pop-Tarts for the kids. I am not fixing Pop-Tarts. I can fix a mean bowl of cornflakes. Well, there you go. All right. Well, let's put a a face on the statistics. Um, I know there are many, many kids over the years that, you know, Shepard has supported and and, uh, great stories to tell. But is is there a child uh, who stands out to you in, in overcoming obstacles? And you could share some of those details. Well, let me first share one that really shaped me in understanding food and how we uh, focus on our food efforts with students. His name was James. James was incredibly troubled, uh, was in a single-parent home. He lived with his father. It was coming up to Christmas, and his family had been able to— his father was able to shop at our Christmas store, and and he said— Pastor Jay, could we stay open for Christmas? And I'm like, what? You know, you get out of school. You... And he says, but I'll go hungry. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean? And he said, Dad has to work, so he locks me in my room. And two weeks, a long time to go hungry. For many of our kids, they get breakfast and lunch at school, whether they're in another school or at ours, and dinner here, um, and so two weeks vacation sounded great for us as growing up, right? Uh, was a really difficult time. Spring break, fall break are all difficult times. And so we have gone to where at fall break, at Christmas break, at spring break, we put whole boxes of food together for kids to be able to keep with them. Food that is shelf-stable, that they can, microwavable meals and things like that, that uh can help them have some nutrition and so that hunger isn't a companion and so i often think of james have no idea where he is today that was 20 some years ago but i am i'm thankful uh for that conversation so that we can make sure that there are no more jameses i think of my friend and colleague curtis who served here for many years and now serves at another ministry and he was that kid sleeping at the park and Uh, one of the first kids I began to work with when I came here. And um, I remember I was driving him to school, college. He had worked as a janitor so he could go to this small little private school downtown, been kicked out of IPS, and had a rough life, but he really overcame. And and so I'm driving him uh, to his school, which was in West Virginia, and um, 
exciting drive. You know, we're on the I-70, so it's cows, corn, soybeans. That's how we break it up. And we're going along, and I said, why, are, why am I driving you to school, college? And his best friend, one of the funniest kids I ever knew, was on the streets. And he said, you know, Jay, I gave up on myself. But so many people at Shepherd didn't give up on me. I couldn't let them down. And so I think that's also what is called the church. Yes. And um, a lot of folks, it wasn't one person that made the difference. It was multiple people. And I think that's what we have to do. That's what Shepherd is trying to do, convene multiple folks to invest in these kids' lives. Said it often, every kid's going to be mentored. The question's by who? Yes. The streets or the church? Shepherd provides a, a wide range of services to help families and children in, in our community. How can our listeners partner with Shepherd to, to help improve the quality of life for kids in our city? I think coming to volunteer with the food distribution, donating food items. I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard to get donated or to afford to purchase canned fruit. It's very mm -hmm. expensive. We want to get that into our homes. We want to get good food. Um, sometimes people have gardens. And they say, hey, we have extra tithe on your garden uh, and bring all those extra tomatoes that, uh, you know, in those years where it's like you just can't, they, it's like manna, it just could, they keep coming. Um, I think that's one way I, th I think volunteer to tutor a kid or read with a student, mm -hmm. help in our library or work in our STEM lab with students to expose them to math and sciences. Thank you, Jack. For 37 years, Shepherd Community has made a lasting difference in the lives of thousands and thousands of neighbors, and the Shepherd team couldn't do the work without the support of donors, partners, and volunteers. To learn more about how you can help, please visit shepherdcommunity.org. Thank you for listening. Thanks.